listening to the Retro Sermons podcast. Find out more at northcolumbuschristians.com slash retro sermons. You know, in, in our various jobs, many of you have jobs of which there are many things that are expected of you. Number one, if the starting time is at 8 o'clock, then you expect your employees to be there at 8 o'clock. And you expect if they have a noonday break, if it's 30 minutes or if it is one hour in duration, you would expect of them to take no more and no less than what is due them on that occasion. You would expect them to respect your equipment. If there are computers that they work with, if there are typewriters, if there are other things that are important to the operation of that business, the employer would expect that you take care of and respect that equipment as belonging to him. And I think all of us can relate to that in a very good way. That there are many things that indeed are expected of us. It was expected of me to be here this morning and speak. If I, as haphazardly, just walked in the door and and uh, unprepared and got up here and showed that I was unprepared, then there would be a great disappointment on your part, and rightly so. Or if Brother Harvey had severe throat problems and he, loving to sing as he does, he's going to do it anyway, and yet he does it to the detriment of his throat and really uh, would take away from the song service because he is not up to his full potential when there are others here that could do that particular service. We as husbands and wives expect certain things of them. As wives, you would expect your husbands to love and to care for them just as Jesus loved the church and gave himself for it. You would expect that your husband would not be a lazy deadbeat, but that he would be an individual that would get up at the sound of the alarm clock, that he would ready himself and get to work on time and not jeopardize his employment, because there are a lot of unpaid bills that must be met at the end of the week based on that paycheck that must be worked out. Likewise, husbands demand certain things of wives. We expect of our wives that they in turn love us. That they love us with a tender and compassionate love. And that they be more devoted to us than any other person in this world. Because the Bible says that a man is to leave father and mother and cleave to his wife and the twain shall be one flesh. It goes both ways, not just the husband, but the wife as well. That they shall become one flesh and that their relationship is one of beauty and grandiose in the eyes of God. Because God set that relationship up. And it is to be that way from henceforth until death do you part. We expect certain things eventually as there are children that come into that home. We expect 
being parents, that the children would look up to us as their parents. And that they would not look to someone else with more loving care than us. Because we should be high on the totem pole as far as parents are concerned. And that the children should love and respect us. And we as parents have certain things to, re to expect of our children. As in the verses that were read a little while ago, that children are to love and honor their parents. The children are not to be in rebellion all towards their parents, but that they are to be respectful, that they are to be kind with their parents as well. There are certain things in the kingdom of God that I believe also that carries a great weight of responsibility and that responsibility goes back to what we should expect of our children's Bible class teachers. What we should expect. In the beginning of this lesson, I had it titled out, What I Expect of My Children's Bible Class Teachers. But it dawned on me that that wouldn't be really appropriate. I could say what I, as a grandparent, could expect of my children's Bible class teachers, but what we should expect. What, now, whether we have any children or not, though we be childless and sit in the auditorium, we all realize that those that fill these rooms and these classrooms, that there are certain expectations that we should expect of them. It's a subject that I have never preached on. And I have been in the Lord's kingdom a long time and I don't know that I've ever heard a subject preached specifically on this material. And that is, what should we expect from our Bible class teachers? We're beginning a new quarter here at Seth. A new period of three months. And there are signatures on a list out in the foyer of each particular class whether it be class 1, 2, and 3, are starting over here on my right, 6, 7, and 8, and including the auditorium class. What we should expect of our Bible class teachers. And there are many of you that have signed up for the very first time. And we're proud of that. We have told various ones of you that are new members of this congregation, but you are students at Florida College, we have emphasized to you that not only are you a member of this congregation, but we want you to be an active member. And that we think that while you are taking courses in English and math and yes, and Bible also, that it is also very good and very appropriate that we would take these young ladies of 18, 19, and that we should encourage them to become teachers. Many of you have signed up. I believe that there are some of you that have signed up and you have never taught a class before. Even in the class this morning and with the new quarter starting out, we had a man in our class this morning that had never taught an auditorium class. And he did very well. I'm real proud of Brother Ronnie for his very first time of standing before an auditorium class and teaching. 
It showed that he had prepared. He did not tell Brother Wade, no, I'm just not going to do it. But he said, yes. And perhaps he may have told him, I'll do my best or whatever. And he did a good job. That is temporary until Wade begins in about three Lord's days to teach himself. But it is something that shows us that Ronnie in the future uh, hopefully will not say no to because he has proved to us and he has proved to himself just as Wade proved to himself a couple of years ago or however many months and years it may have been when he taught his very first class right here and he was scared to pieces. But he jumped out and got his feet wet and he did it and now he is a very excellent teacher. We expect certain things of our teachers. You expect that the preacher, of course, be prepared and that he has something to say instead of just up here to say something. We expect that our time be well spent and that this portion of our worship time is in study of God's Word. And what other lesson would be more appropriate, especially at this time of changing teachers, than to study about what we should expect of ourselves and of others as teachers. There is no higher position that I believe that you could serve than teaching in these classes these children that are very uh, receptive, but they need, need to be guided. They need to be led. And it takes many times, even hours, to prepare for one of these classes. I know I've seen my wife through the many years in the past literally spend hours in the preparing even for the twos and three-year-olds. You say, well, man, that's... I'll teach, because there's nothing to do but just go in there and tell a Bible story. And yes, but do you really put your heart into it? Do you do your very best by making cutouts, by studying what lesson, what one thing do I want to stand out in this Bible class? And we need to emphasize that we're talking about our Bible class that what we should expect of our teachers in these Bible classes. There will be a sacrifice on your part inasmuch as you have assumed the role as a teacher. You are, will it be expected to prepare? We'll speak more about that in a few moments. I'm sure that many of us can think of special teachers when we were young. I can think of some individuals when I was a youngster, whether five or eight or eleven, I can think of special teachers that have stood in my mind, that have stood out in my mind all of these years, that they took their time to sign up for a class under the oversight of the elders of the congregation because many times they can't teach all of the classes. And others, of course, are trained to do that. And so there is much praise to be put upon those who today or who of yesteryear have taught these classes and done so in a very wonderful and a sacrificial way. 
And a huge debt is owed to these individuals for teaching. Their reward is not monetary. In fact, many times they have to pay money for their own materials, for their own cutouts, for whatever they do. But their reward is seeing the faces of those children light up. When you begin to sit down and to tell them the story of baby Jesus or baby Moses or whether it was the young man Joseph who was hated by his brothers and then approaching these stories in a right way to where you can see that their eyes glisten and light up as you begin just to tell the story as it appears in the Bible. So our teachers have a very big impact on our children's lives. They have a big impact. And it could be negative. And that's why it is so important that when we sign up on that list to teach these classes, that we realize that these parents are putting their children into your hands for 30, 35, or 40 minutes, however long the class may be on Sunday morning or on Wednesday evening again. They are very hopeful that, of course, you will have prepared yourself and will be ready to do something for your children that will help ready them in the days to come. The very first point that I would suggest to you that is a must it is imperative that if you are going to sign up for a class to teach children, that you be a person of authority and yet not a dictator, that you be a person of kindness and love, but yet let them know that you are the teacher. And that they will respect you. And before any teaching can be done, there has got to be order maintained in the classroom. We know of teachers, even here, that have said to the brethren, I can't handle the class. I'm not the person for the class. I am sorry, maybe another class later on will come up that I may be prepared for. But I wish that you would get someone else to take my place at least for this time. Well, there is something that is said in all of that. Every person here that is an adult should be able to go into these preteen classes and conduct and teach a class to where there will be no interference from one of the children or more that is not respectful to the teacher and is disruptive to the whole class. And hence, no teaching can be done. There can be no teaching done whatsoever if discipline is not maintained and order is not properly conducted in those classes. The Bible points out in 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 40, he said, and let all things be done in decency and in order. There is a way in which we assemble, and that is an orderly way. 
that we come in and we're not throwing paper planes at one another. We're not chewing up bits of paper and and uh, with the rubber band shooting one another. We're not coming in and just having a big picnic. There is a way and manner in which we assemble. And that is to be an orderly mess. It is a manner in which it is to be decent. That everything is done in an orderly and decent fashion so that the people that perhaps are visiting would appreciate and respect the services and even the gatherings of the services to where they would want to come back at other times and be an, a visitor and learn in that particular group. Now, if you have a problem in your class, it must be dealt with. It cannot go on because you are doing a disservice to that child that is two or three years old. Because that two or three year old that is hollering and screaming or going up to the next classroom to where I guess some of the problems would eventually be, and in grades one and two and four, five, and six. If we have problems in a class at that age, what are they going to be when they are senior high? If we allow them to get away with things like this in a religious, in a spiritual setting, what can we expect of them in a school setting? In a schoolhouse environment, where a certain amount of this is expected, where a certain amount of this is tolerated, just because an individual wants to be the center of attention and wants to have all of the attention pointed at them and other children to laugh at them because they have done something funny. And if our children are allowed to do that under these circumstances, under the very best of circumstances, if our children are allowed to run wild and to do as they will, you can expect problems, parents, when they get in junior high school, when they get in senior high school, and also when they come back home in your house. You can expect problems of rebellion of one sort or another because you did not set down the ground rules as to who is in charge. Who has the authority? I remember very well in my college days that my minor was in education and I prepared myself to teach in school, which I did later on, and helped support myself in the preaching of the gospel of Christ. But one of my teachers very effectively put a point in my head as we were doing our practice teaching yet in college, but we would go out to schools that were very close, and we, for a quarter, a semester, whatever period of time, would be the teacher. And a teacher would not be in there. It was up on your show. But one of the things that was very important that the teacher had told us is to let the children know that between you and the teacher that there was a desk. That a desk represents authority. And that that desk is to be respected. 
because the teacher resides behind that and teaches from that position many times. Though she may walk here or he may walk there, the desk is still there, whether behind it or in front of it. And that respect must be taught also in the home. Then when they want to know why, because I am daddy, because I am your mother, that is all the really that needs to be said on the subject. In order to point out certain things to our children, they should never ask the question why in relationship to our parents, but just to let them know and them grow up know it that they have a parent that is over them, and as the verse of Scripture which was read a while ago, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, that it may be well with thee, and that you may live long on the earth. In talking and in observing parents in many ways today, we know that the home is in trouble in many areas. The home is in trouble because they have not laid down the ground rules from the youth up. That was the beauty of the teaching of Timothy. That he had a grandmother and that he had a mother. And that he had learned the truth from his youth up. One of the things that we need to Realize, and I want to point it out before anybody hops up right now and goes out the door, speaking of children, especially. One of the big habits that children have, and I assume that they get it from maybe the school. I don't know what they're lenient and tolerant of. But just about the time that we get ready to get into our worship service, that we begin to get ready to preach and to have the Word of God broken unto us and that God talks to us. Then we have one that jumps up here and another jumps up here and two or three and it is the doors are kept opening back and forth. And maybe it is no more than to just get a sip of water. Completely unnecessary. Maybe it is no more than except to go to the bathroom completely unnecessary unless that you're on some kind of medication which I would expect you to sit near the back row if that be the case. And we as parents need to instruct that in them. We allow about 10 minutes, a full 10 minutes. In many buildings in which I have preached in times past, the facilities for the bathrooms or the restrooms, in as much as we don't get a bath in there, but the facilities is perhaps limited. And people are waiting in line. And if there is a situation that must be dealt with, the time has run out. We build this building with that in mind also. So where there should be no waiting, Various members of other congregations have come here after this building was built and they would go to one of, uh, one of the bathrooms 
And I've heard some of the women tell their friends, say, you've got to go into the women's restroom. You're not going to believe what you're going to find in there. That's the best equipped facilities that I have ever seen. And the same is true of the men's side. And why? In order that everybody during that 10 minutes take care of whatever situation needs to be cared for and then that we can get in and no one has to leave. And that is sufficient teaching is done on If we talk about those things as I am doing now, because we have these facilities and we have 10 minutes and that there is no reason to disrupt the service for anybody and the same should be carried over in the school in the classes that there should be a very limited amount of exceptions taken to young people leaving the classroom well now that's the very first thing which I did quote one passage, and that is that things are to be done decency and in order. But we've got to maintain discipline. We've got to maintain some order. And that if you're not equipped to teach the classroom, that you're doing the very best thing when you go to Brother Wade and say, Brother Wade, you're going to need to get a teacher for the rest of the quarter. I just can't handle the class. And maybe you're just not equipped at this point, even intellectually. Because of age. Because of your youth of age. Or whatever it might be. And even Paul talked about it when he said, Let no man despise thy youth. Why? Because he was young. Sometimes older people do not necessarily take what young people teach them is to be done. And various congregations that I have gone I've even mentioned to the elders that I thought that it would be very good and be very important that they go in the classrooms occasionally. Drop by the classroom there to oversee. They're the shepherds of the flock. They're to tend to the of the things of the congregation. And that it is not the teacher being over an elder once he is in them. I believe that they still do this in Flint City, that the elders drop in occasionally. And I know that they still do this in Chiefland, where I came from, here. They occasionally drop in classroom. Not necessarily to see if the teacher is qualified, though it is uh, pretty well sized up whether the teacher is qualified or not. But to see if order is maintained to see if the work is being carried on or if there needs to be some changes made. And that certainly is a point that can be talked about later when we get to that point of having elders. And before I get to this point of maintaining discipline in order, if you want an example of what I'm talking about, then I would encourage many of you parents to go in the nursery I put a rug in front, a little runner that used to be out here in the, in the walkway to this side door. I put a runner in there for the wedding that we just had because I was completely embarrassed about the floor. You see, it's not that the women have in taking the cups out and spill it on the floor. 
But it by observation to my, own, to my own eyes. I've seen young people back there drinking the cup as fast as they can after it is carried back there. I have seen them eating the bread and doing various things. Now you want to confirm for yourself the situation as I view it. We have a carpet, an expensive carpet there that is ruined completely. It needs to be torn away and a linoleum rug installed. I am embarrassed for any visitor to go in that room. Why? Because young people did not do things that were decent. They did something that was inappropriate. They did something that they should not have done. They should not even have been in that room. They should not be in the room in the afternoon. They should not be in that room, period. Unless, as a very young child, they need to be carried back there for their mom to feed them, for their mother to change a diaper, or for certain things to be cared for. There is no place in that room for children. It is not for that reason. The walls are marked on with crayons that need to be refinished. It is completely a disgrace. Why? Because things were not done decently and in order. So there are certain things we expect of parents also. There are certain things that we expect and that God expects of every one of us. And that is that we realize that this building is built for purposes of serving God. It is built for the purpose of our worshiping God in spirit and in truth. These things need to be said. And I know of no better place to say them than in this lesson. And that is what we should expect of our teachers and what we should expect of our parents and of members in particular. There are some little buttons on the back of every pew. Those little buttons hide a screw. It's camouflage. There have been as many as 10 or 15 of those buttons that have been taken whether with a pocket knife or with fingernail clips and pried out. Some children find nothing better to do than to just do that. And it is certainly important that we teach our children and keep them beside us or keep them by us or keep them in front of us so can we so that we can see that maintain an order is followed. All these things can be fixed up, but it will take time on the part of the professional to come and prepare a lot of things. But I believe that these things need to be said. And that is when you have signed up to prepare the Lord's Supper, that you maintain that room and that the children be kept out of that room. That is not the place for them. We expect as as parents of children, we expect that these teachers be a good example. That they be an example of which we can read about in the Bible. Let us learn first that a teach, how important a teacher is. In Ephesians 4 and in verse 11, said God made some to be apostles, God made some to be prophets, he made some to be evangelists <coughs> and others elders 
and others teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, and for the edifying of the body of Christ. <clears throat> there is no job that is more satisfying, assuming that a teacher wants to do it or a person wants to be a teacher, than to take a class and to teach and to be prepared and to do the kind of job that you know that someone is expecting of you to do. And obviously, with my own grandchild being taken out at this time, obviously one of the things that we expect in that is that when a child becomes disruptive, and I'm glad that it was mine, and that is when a child becomes disruptive, that a child be taken out and wore out, and then he can be brought back in. Now that's the way you handle a problem. And if any of you have a problem with that, I can read to you passage after passage in the book of Proverbs. The wise man of old said that this is the way you do it. God knows best. Now we're not talking about physical abuse. We're talking about training a child up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Child's place is in here. But when there are problems, then you take them out. There's the you say, well, <clears throat> if someone sees me, then they're going to turn me into the HRS or whatever. We built a wall back there. It's got a sign on the outside of it, but it's a long hallway. And if you're afraid that you might be that your child might be heard in the foyer out there because he is crying. Then you take him on outside of that wall that will keep anybody from seeing, even neighbors around. And they're not going to hear because it's, the sound is dead. And so you just give it to them like my mom and dad used to give it to me. And then bring them back in and sit them down very firmly. Say, very quiet. Sit. Down do it. But you take them out and play with them a little bit or let somebody take them out and as though it's just something that's going to happen from here on. No, it, that's unacceptable. We've got to bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord and how are they going to get it if they're out somewhere else? Or if we leave them with grandma and grandpa because they don't know how to behave. You've got to teach them to behave. You see, that's the problem. And we expect our teachers to have order and discipline to be maintained. And if one is sent out, then the parent should see that the child is tended to and sent back in. We need teachers that will go to parents individually and say that your child is a problem. I love her. Your little fellow. Your little daughter. I love her. But she's a problem. She is disruptive to the class. How many of you as parents, no hands to be shown as we go on that at any time. But how many times in the last year, in the last six months, in the last three months, how many times have you gone to their teachers and said, Nancy, how's my child doing? How many times have you gone to Brother Wade, Sister Linda, and said, How's my child doing in Is my child, child a problem? That's very important. It's important both ways. 
Let a parent go to the teacher, let a teacher go to the parent, and your problem eventually is going to be solved, and you're going to raise a son or a daughter that others can be proud of as well. And perhaps, as I usually do, spend too much time on the earlier points. But we can't teach them any Bible at all if they don't know how to behave in the house of God, as 1 Timothy 3.15 says. That we are to teach them to behave in the house of God. So children are very observant. They're observant of teachers. They're observant of what teachers do. They're observant of how teachers sit. Whether they sit immodestly, children are observant of that. Children are observant as to whether or not the teacher is spending any time on the class. Knew a teacher one time at a congregation. Never, I used to work very closely there, but he never should have been a teacher. But he'd go into the classroom and they'd get talking about gator hunting. Oh, he was very big on going out in the swamps and, and uh, hunting the gator. He was very big on going to certain places and fishing and whatever, or hunting and about the big buck that he had killed that was. What does that have anything to do with the service of God? If you can tell me what that has to do in service to God, because I have pondered the situation a long time. And that there are certain people who ought not to be teaching. So God appointed that certain ones to be teachers. Ephesians 4 and 11. And so a teacher is important as an evangelist. Serves a purpose as the apostles. And as those that are elders. And God bless every one of you because you are unsung heroes. That sign these Lesson that send these sheets to be teachers for the next quarter. And so, children should look up to their teachers in the highest esteem to know that my teacher is a good woman, a good man. The plea was put out some years back that we needed teachers. A woman came to me and said, Brother Eubanks, I would like to teach. And I pointed out to her in as diplomatic a way as possible that I didn't think that the time was right. And I went to Brother Harry Klein and Brother Wade and I said, you may be approached by this lady who said, y'all are doing, y'all are involved in, in sorting out who's going to teach where. And I said, this lady may come to you and want to teach. She's already come to me. And I said, the problem that I have with her is that she smokes. And I, I just, I have a problem with that. I have a big problem with that. Of putting someone into these classes to be a role model and to be a teacher when they can smell tobacco on their breath or see her in some shopping mall or in the grocery store or wherever they do whatever they do. And to know that Miss Molly smokes. That teacher was not put into a class. It was tried to be explained to her. How did she deal with it? She got mad and left. She got mad and left. Didn't worship anywhere. Her children, they're, they're all gone. I mean, they never obeyed the gospel. Why? 
because mom didn't take the advice about what was said to her in a, as in a constructive way. We need people that will take things when pointed out to them as to why they're not ready to do certain things. They need to respect the advice and the wisdom of others that are older, myself included, that certain things are good to be taught on, and there are certain things that, that we not get as specific about. A teacher should be faithful at all services. They should be at every service. They should not be out Christmas shopping or doing whatever. The time has been set for worshiping and serving God. We expect of our teachers to teach them the Word of God. In these last few moments, we're going to look at Deuteronomy chapter 6. Because this, this is what we're talking about. We're talking about a Bible class. When people call up here and they say, what time are your services? And we say, well, Bible class is from 10 o'clock until about 10.35 or 10.40. That's Bible class. The point that I'm making is not a singing class. If we are not prepared to teach the Bible, we should let someone else go in the classrooms. It is not a singing class. I am not saying that two, three, or four songs at the end of your class cannot be done. In fact, I think it would be important. We're getting them ready for the next stage. To become obedient to the gospel and the importance of singing and praising God. But we are not sending our children to these classes to have songs throughout a 35 or 40 days. And on occasion, which I have heard and do not know who does it, and I could have found out, I guess, but didn't want to. There are other things that are accompanied with that, and that is hand clapping. Hand clapping is just not appropriate for when we come into the Lord's house. We got a family sitting right back here, Brother Danny Copeland, his wife Ann. They left one congregation just recently, not just over this matter, but there were other things. But they came from a congregation that was doing things, and they were doing it in the auditorium now. I've been to services like this also when I preached at Chiefland and visiting at Gainesville at the Crossroads Congregation, as it's called. Hand clapping and whistling and showing of emotionalism and enthusiasm in that way is inappropriate. It's unacceptable among God's people. God never said anywhere in the Bible to get together and sing and whistle or sing and clap or clap only. It's just not done. I'm going to be starting a Bible class tonight with the little children. I haven't done it in a long time. And I want the young people, as whatever age you want to come, and all that we're going to be doing is studying the Bible with you. I'm going to be telling you Bible stories. We're not going to be singing a song, period. We'll have a service at 6 o'clock at which time you can sing. Or your Sunday morning class may have two or three songs. 
And you can sing then. Well, we're going to be having a Bible class. I would encourage the parents to have them here at the 5.30 hour so that they would not miss any of it. And I would encourage grandparents to come. You might even learn something yourself. I'm excited about the class and about what we're going to be doing together. So we need to realize that we as, as teachers are not only to be good examples, but we are to be examples because we are there to teach them the Word of God and they can look at us, hopefully, and see that we're living the Word of God. As Romans 2 says, Thou that preachest that thou should not steal, do you steal? Thou that preachest that thou should not lie, do you lie? That's not just put in there to fill up space. God expects certain things of God's people. He expects integrity. He expects consistency. He expects faithfulness. And all of that comes without, with not forsaking the assembly. And all of that comes with teaching our children in here how to act. And yes, we may have to jump up and go outside. But follow the little remedy that I told you as a parent. It works. Follow the little remedy, whether Mr. Spock approves of it or not, or whether the neighbors approve of it or not. They're not going to know about it. I've already told you where to go. And then while they're snubbing, trying to catch their breath, take them in the nursery and let them snub some more. And once they've got their breath, bring them back out here. And assuming that the process starts all over, then start your process all over, which is God's process. Eventually, you win the If you don't, you're going to be a loser someday, possibly with the law. Simply because they were not brought up in the way that they should be. So teach them a great respect of the Word of God. And Deuteronomy 6 and verse 6, And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and they shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when they walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and as they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. And so it shall be when the Lord your God brings you into the land that you shall inherit. He was preparing his people to inherit a great and wonderful land, wells which they had not dug buildings and houses which they had not constructed, that they would go in and inherit this land. We are to teach them the Word of God. We are to teach them about the struggles of men and women of yesteryear, of Hebrews chapter 11, about faith, Abel offered unto God, by faith, Abraham, by faith, Sarah, by faith, Joseph, Teach them the stories about the Bible. That's what we're here for.